Book Two, Canto Eight, The Legend of Sir Guyon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, go to LibriVox.org. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Two, The Legend of Sir Guyon, Canto Eight. Sir Guyon, laid in swoon, is by Acrates' sons despoiled, whom Arthur soon hath rescued, and pain him brethren foiled. Is there a care in heaven, and is there love in heavenly spirits to these creatures base, that may compassion of their evils move? There is, else much more wretched were the case of men than beasts. But, oh, the exceeding grace of highest God that loves his creatures so, and all his works with mercy doth embrace, that blessed angels he sends to and fro to serve to wicked man, to serve his wicked foe. How oft do they their silver bowers leave to come to succor us that succor want? How oft do they with golden pinions cleave the flitting skies, like flying pursuivant, against foul fiends to aid us militant. They for us fight, they watch and duly ward, and their bright squadrons round about us plant, and all for love, and nothing for reward. Oh, why should heavenly God to men have such regard? During the while that Guyon did abide in Mammon's house, the palmer whom Wilier that wanton maid of passage had denied by further search had passage found elsewhere and being on his way approached near where guyon lay in trance when suddenly he heard a voice that called loud and clear come hither come hither o oh, come hastily that all the fields resounded with a rueful cry the palmer lent his ear unto the noise to weet who called so importunely. Again he heard a more efforced voice that bade him come in haste. He by and by his feeble feet directed to the cry, which to that shady delve him brought at last, where Mammon erst did sun his treasury. There the good Guyon he found slumbering fast in senseless dream which sight at first him sore aghast. Beside his head there sate a fair young man, of wondrous beauty and of freshest years, whose tender bud to blossom new began, and flourish fair above his equal peers. His snowy front curled with golden hairs, like Phoebus' face adorned with sunny rays, divinely shone, and two sharp-winged shears, decked with diverse plumes like painted jays were fixed at his back to cut his airy ways like as cupido on idean hill when having laid his cruel bow away and mortal arrows wherewith he doth fill the world with murderous spoils and bloody prey with his fair mother he him dights to play and with his goodly sisters graces three the goddess pleased with his wanton play suffers herself through sleep beguiled to be the whiles the other ladies mind their merry glee 
whom when the palmer saw abashed he was through fear and wonder that he naught could say till him the child bespoke long lacked alas hath been thy faithful aid in hard essay whilst deadly fit thy pupil doth dismay behold this heavy sight thou reverend sire but dread of death and dolor do away for life ere long shall to her home retire and he that breathless seems shall courage bold respire the charge with god doth unto me arret of his dear safety i to thee commend yet will i not forego nay yet forget the care thereof myself unto the end but evermore him succour and defend against his foe and mine watch thou i pray for evil is at hand him to offend so having said eftsoons he gan display his painted nimble wings and vanished quite away the palmer seeing his left empty place and his slow eyes beguiled of their sight wokes sore afraid and standing still a space gazed after him as foul escaped by flight at last him turning to his charge behight with trembling hand his troubled pulse gan try where finding life not yet dislodged quite he much rejoiced and curd it tenderly as chicken newly hatched from dreaded destiny at last he spied where towards him did pace to pain him knights all armed as bright as sky and them beside an aged sire did trace and far before a light foot page did fly that breathed strife and troublous enmity those were the two sons of acrates old who meeting erst with archimago sly for by the idle strand of him were told that he which erst them combated was guyon bold which to avenge on him they dearly vowed wherever that on ground they mote him find false archimage provoked their courage proud and strifeful aten in their stubborn mind coals of contention in hot violence timed now being they come whereas the palmer sat keeping that slumbered course to him assigned well knew they both his person sith of late with him in bloody arms they rashly did debate whom when pyrocles saw inflamed with rage that sire he foul bespake thou dotard vile that with thy bruteness shinst thy comely age abandoned soon i read the caitive spoil of that same outcast carcass that erewhile made itself famous through false treachery and crowned his coward crest with knightly style lo where he now inglorious doth lie to prove he lived ill that did thus foully die to whom the palmer fearless answered certes knight ye being too much to blame thus for to blot the honour of the dead and with foul cowardice his carcass a shame whose living hands immortalized his name vile is the vengeance on the ashes cold and envy base to bark at sleeping fame was never white that treason of him told yourself his prowess proved and found him fierce and bold then said chymocles palmer thou dost dote ne canst of prowess ne of knighthood deem save as thou seest or hearst but well i wot 
that of his puissance trial made extreme, yet gold all is not that doth golden seem. Nay, all good knights that shake well spear and shield, the worth of all men by their end esteem, and then due praise or due reproach them yield. Bad, therefore I him deem, that thus lies dead on field. Good or bad, can his brother fierce reply, what do I reck, sith that he died entire, or what doth his bad death now satisfy, the greedy hunger of revenging ire, sith wrathful hand wrought not her own desire? Yet since no way is left to wreak my spite, I will him reave of arms the victor's hire, and of that shield more worthy of good knight. For why should a dead dog be decked in armour bright? Fair sir, said then the palmer suppliant, for knighthood's love do not so foul a deed, ne blame your honour with so shameful vaunt of vile revenge. To spoil the dead of weed is sacrilege, and doth all sins exceed, but leave these relics of his living might to deck his hearse and trap his tomb-black steed. What hearse or steed, said he, should he have died, but be entombed in the raven or the kite? With that rude hand upon his shield he laid, and the other brother gan his helm unlace, both fiercely bent to have him disarrayed, till that they spied where towards them did pace an armed knight of bold and bounteous grace, whose squire bore after him an ebon lance and covered shield, well kenned him so far space, the enchanter by his arms and amenance, when under him he saw his Libyan steed to prance. And to those brethren said, Rise, rise by live, and unto battle do yourselves address, for yonder comes the prowest knight alive, Prince Arthur, flower of grace and nobilesse, that hath to Paynim knights wrought great distress, and thousand sarsens foully done to die. That word so deep did in their hearts impress, that both eftsoons upstarted furiously, and gan themselves prepare to battle greedily. But fierce Pyrocles, lacking his own sword, the want thereof now greatly gan to plain, and Archimage besought him that afford, which he had brought for Braggadocio vain. So would I, said the enchanter, glad and fain beteem to you this sword, you to defend, or aught that else your honour might maintain, but that this weapon's power I well have kenned, to be contrary to the work which ye intend. For that same knight's own sword this is of yore, which Merlin made by his almighty art, for that his nursling, when he knighthood swore, therewith to do in his foe's eternal smart, the metal first he mixed with medewart, that no enchantment from his dint might save, then it in flames of Etna wrought apart, and seven times dipped in the bitter wave of hellish sticks, which hidden virtue to it gave. The virtue is that neither steel nor stone the stroke thereof from entrance may defend, ne ever may be used by his phone, ne forced his rightful owner to offend, ne ever will it break, ne ever bend. Wherefore, more dure, it rightfully is height, in vain, therefore, Pyrocles, should I lend the same to thee, against his lord to fight, 
for sure it would deceive thy labor and thy might. Foolish old man, said then the pagan wroth, that weanest words or charms may force withstand. Soon shalt thou see, and then believe for truth that I can carve with this enchanted brand his lord's own flesh. Therewith out of his hand that virtuous steel he rudely snatched away, and Guyon's shield about his wrist he bond. So ready dight, fierce battle to assay, and match his brother proud in battleless array. By this that stranger knight in presence came, and goodly salved them, who not again him answered, as courtesy became, but with stern looks and stomachous disdain, gave signs of grudge and discontentment vain. Then, turning to the palmer, he gained spy, where at his feet, with sorrowful demain, and deadly hue, an armed course, did lie, in whose dead face he read great magnanimity. Said he then to the palmer, Reverend sire, what great misfortune hath betid this night, or did his life her fatal date expire, or did he fall by treason, or by fight? However sure I rue his piteous plight, not one nor other, said the palmer grave, hath him befallen, but clouds of deadly night a while his heavy eyelids covered have, and all his senses drowned in deep senseless wave, which his cruel foes that stand hereby, making advantage to revenge their spite, would him disarm and treaten shamefully, unworthy usage of redoubted night. But fare you, sir, whose honourable sight doth promise hope of help, and timely grace, mote I beseech to succour his sad plight, and by your power protect his feeble case. First praise of knighthood is, foul outrage to deface. Palmer, said he, no knight so rude I ween, as to do an outrage to a sleeping ghost, there was there ever noble courage seen, that in advantage would his puissance boast. Honour is least, where odds appeareth most. Maybe that better reason will assuage the rash revenger's heat. Words, well disposed, have secret power to appease inflamed rage, if not leave unto me thy knight's last patronage. Though turning to those brethren thus bespoke, Ye warlike pair, whose valorous great might, it seems, just wrongs to vengeance do provoke, to wreak your wrath on this dead-seeming night, mote aught allay the storm of your despite, and settle patience in so furious heat? Not to debate the challenge of your right, but for this carcass pardon I entreat, whom fortune hath already laid in lowest seat. To whom Chimocles said, For what art thou that makes thyself his daysman to prolong the vengeance pressed? Or who shall let me now on this vile body from to wreak my wrong, and make his carcass as the outcast dong? Why should not that dead carrion satisfy the guilt which if he lived had thus long, his life for due revenge should dear abide? The trespass still doth live, albe the person die. Indeed, then said the prince, the evil done dies not, when breath the body first doth leave, 
but from the grandsire to the nephew's son and all his seed the curse doth often cleave till vengeance utterly the guilt bereave so straightly god doth judge but gentle knight that doth against the dead his hand uprear his honour stains with rancour and despite and great disparagement makes to his former might pyrocles gan reply the second time and to him said now felon sure i read that thou art partaker of his crime therefore by termagant thou shalt be dead with that his hand more sad than lump of lead uplifting high he weaned with more dure his own good sword more dure to cleave his head the faithful steel such treason nod endure but swerving from the mark his lord's life did assure yet was the force so furious and so fell that horse and man it made to reel aside natheless the prince would not forsake his cell for well of yore he learned had to ride but full of anger fiercely to him cried false traitor miscreant thou broken hast the law of arms to strike foe undefied but thou thy treason's fruit i hope shalt taste right sour and feel the law the which thou hast defaced with that his baleful spear he fiercely bent against the pagan's breast and therewith thought his cursed life out of her lodge have rent but ere the point arrive it where it ought that sevenfold shield which he from guyon brought he cast between to ward the britter stound through all those folds the steel-head passage wrought and through his shoulder pierced wherewith to ground he grovelling fell all gored in his gushing wound which when his brother saw fraught with great grief and wrath he to him leaped furiously and foully said by my own cursed thief that direful stroke thou dearly shalt abide then hurling up his harmful blade on high smote him so hugely on his haughty crest that from his saddle forced him to fly else mote it needs down to his manly breast have cleft his head in twain and life thence dispossessed now was the prince in dangerous distress wanting his sword when he on foot should fight his single spear could do him small redress against two foes of so exceeding might the least of which was match for any knight and now the other whom he erst did daunt had reared himself again to cruel fight three times more furious and more puissant unmindful of his wound of his fate ignorant so both at once him charge on either side with hideous strokes and importable power that forced him his ground to traverse wide and wisely watch to ward that deadly stour for in his shield as thick as stormy shower their strokes did rain yet did he never quail ne backward shrink but as a steadfast tower whom foe with double battery doth assail them on her bulwark bears and bids them not avail so stoutly he withstood their strong assay till that at last when he advantage spied his poignant spear he thrust with puissant sway at proud chymocles whiles his shield was wide that through his thigh the mortal steel did gride 
he swarving with the force within his flesh did break the lance and let the head abide out of the wound the red blood flowed fresh that underneath his feet soon made a purple plesh horribly then he gan to rage and rail cursing his gods and himself damning deep else when his brother saw the red blood rail adown so fast and all his arm are steep for very fellness loud he gan to weep and said caitiff curse on thy cruel hand that twice hath sped yet shall it not thee keep from the third brunt of this my fatal brand lo where the dreadful death behind thy back doth stand with that he strook and the other strook withal that nothing seemed mote bear so monstrous might the one upon his covered shield did fall and glancing down would not his owner bite but the other did upon his truncheon smite which hewing quite asunder further way it made and on his hackiton did light the which dividing with importune sway it seized in his right side and there the dent did stay wide was the wound and a large lukewarm flood red as the rose thence gushed grievously that when the pain him spied the streaming blood gave him great heart and hope of victory on the other side in huge perplexity the prince now stood having his weapon broke naught could he hurt but still at ward did lie yet with his truncheon he so rudely stroke Chimocles twice that twice him forced his foot revoke whom when the palmer saw in such distress sir guyan's sword he lightly to him wrought and said fair son great god thy right hand bless to use that sword so wisely as is aught glad was the knight and with fresh courage fraught when as again he armed felt his hand then like a lion which hath long time sought his robbed whelps and at last them fond amongst the shepherd's swains then wexeth wood and yond so fierce he laid about him and dealt blows on either side that neither mail could hold ne shield defend the thunder of his throes now to pyrocles many strokes he told eft to chimocles twice so many fold then back again turning his busy hand them both at once compelled with courage bold to yield wide way to his heart thrilling brand and though they both stood stiff yet could not both withstand as salvage bull whom two fierce mastiffs bait when rancor doth with rage him once in gore forgets with wary ward them to await but with his dreadful horns them drives afore or flings aloft or treads down in the floor breathing out wrath and bellowing disdain that all the forest quakes to hear him roar so raged prince arthur twixt his foemen twain that neither could his mighty puissance sustain but ever at pyrocles when he smit who guyon's shield cast ever him before whereon the fairy queen's portrait was writ his hand relented and the stroke forbore and his dear heart the picture gan adore 
which oft the pain him saved from deadly store, but him henceforth the same can save no more, for now arrived is his fatal hour, that note avoided be by earthly skill or power. For when Chimocles saw the foul reproach which them appeached, pricked with guilty shame and inward grief, he fiercely gan approach, resolved to put away that loathly blame, or die with honour and desert of fame. And on the hauberk stroked the prince so sore that quite disparted all the linked frame, and pierced to the skin but bit no more, yet made him twice to reel that never moved afore. Whereat Rin fierced with wrath and sharp regret, he stroked so hugely with his borrowed blade that it impierced the pagan's burgonet, and cleaving the hard steel did deep invade into his head, and cruel passage made quite through his brain. He, tumbling down on ground, breathed out his ghost, which to the infernal shade, fast flying, there eternal torment found, for all the sins wherewith his lewd life did abound. Which when his German saw, the stony fear ran to his heart, and all his sins dismayed, nay thenceforth life, nay courage did appear, but as a man whom hellish fiends have frayed, long trembling still he stood, at last thus said, Traitor, what hast thou done? However may thy cursed hand so cruelly have swayed against that knight, heroined well away after so wicked deed, why livest thou longer day? With that all desperate as loathing light, and with revenge desiring soon to die, assembling all his force and utmost might, with his own sword he fierce at him did fly, and struck, and foined, and lashed outrageously, without reason or regard. Well knew the prince, with patience and sufferance sly, so hasty heat soon cooled to subdue, though when this breathless wokes that battle gan renew. As when a windy tempest bloweth high, that nothing may withstand his stormy stour, the clouds, as things afraid, before him fly. But all so soon, as his outrageous power is laid, they fiercely then begin to shower, and as in scorn of his spent stormy spite, now all at once their malice forth do pour. So did Prince Arthur bear himself in fight, and suffered rash Pyrocles waste his idle might. At last, when as the Saracen perceived, how that strange sword refused to serve his need, but when he stroke most strong the dent deceived, he flung it from him, and devoid of dread, upon him lightly leaping without heed, twixt his two mighty arms in grasped fast, thinking to overthrow and down him tread, but him in strength and skill the prince surpassed and through his nimble slight did under him downcast. Not booted it the pain him then to strive, for as a bitter in the eagle's claw, that may not hope by flight to scape alive, still waits for death with dread and trembling awe. So he now, subject to the victor's law, did not once move nor upward cast his eye, 
for vile disdain and rancor which did gnaw his heart in twain with sad melancholy as one that loathed life and yet despised to die but full of princely bounty and great mind the conqueror not carried him to slay but casting wrongs and all revenge behind more glory thought to give life than decay and said Paynim, this is thy dismal day, yet if thou wilt renounce thy miscreants, and my true liegeman yield thyself for I, life will I grant thee for thy valiance, and all thy wrongs will wipe out of my sovenance. Fool, said the pagan, I thy gift defy, but use thy fortune as it doth befall, and say that I not overcome do die, but in despite of life, for death do call. Wroth was the prince, and sorry yet withal, that he so willfully refused grace, yet sith his fate so cruelly did fall, his shining helmet he gan soon unlace, and left his headless body bleeding all the place. By this Sir Guyon from his trance awaked, life having mastered her senseless foe, and looking up, when as his shield he lacked, and sword saw not he wexed wondrous woe but when the palmer whom he long ago had lost he by him spied right glad he grew and said dear sir whom wandering to and fro i long have lacked i joy thy face to view firm is thy faith whom danger never fro me drew but read what wicked hand hath robbed me of my good sword and shield the palmer glad, with so fresh hue uprising him to see, him answered, Fair son, be no whit sad for want of weapons, they shall soon be had. So gan he to discourse the whole debate, which that strange knight from him sustained had, and those two Saracens confounded late, whose carcasses on ground were horribly prostrate which when he heard and saw the tokens true, his heart with great affection was embayed, and to the prince bowing reverence due, as to the patron of his life thus said, My lord, my liege, by whose most gracious aid I live this day, and see my foes subdued, what may suffice to be for me repaid, of so great graces as ye have me shewed, but to be ever bound. To whom the infant thus, Fair sir, what need good turns be counted as a servile bond to bind their doers, to receive their meed, are not all knights by oath bound, to withstand oppressor's power by arms and puissant hand? Suffice that I have done my due in place. So goodly purpose they together fond of kindness and of courteous a grace. The whiles false archimage and Aiton fled apace. End of Book Two, Canto Eight, The Legend of Sir Guyon.